Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Supervalue Insurance. Offering sound advice for your car, home and travel insurance needs. Tweet at Miriam O'Call. Well, Australian actor Hugo Weaving is in town. The man who played Elrond in The Lord of the Rings and Agent Smith in The Matrix is in rehearsals for a play called The President in the Gate Theatre. And I'm delighted to say that he's in studio this morning sitting opposite me. Hugo, good morning. When I said to people during the week that you were coming in, several of them quoted this line to me straight away. Mr Anderson. You got my packet? Yeah. Well, good. Whoever it is, he's not reading like an agent. Surprised to see me? No. That voice, the character, Agent Smith, it is iconic. Do you get that quote back to you all the time? Uh, yeah, pe- people people always say, oh, can you just say Mr. Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, yes, I have to I have to drag it out. Do you mind? <clears throat> no, not at all. Not yeah, at all. yeah. I thought about that as I said, gosh, he's probably sick of people asking. Well, if I said yes, then you'd have a problem, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I said we'd already done it. So, <laughs> Listen, I know the character of Elrond in Lord of the Rings. It was wise, powerful, more the good guy, but you... You do like portraying bad guys, don't you? I mean, Red Skull and Marvel's Captain America, you were kind of an anarchist in V for Vendetta. What is it about those parts that you like? I do. Well, they're the, they're the, they're the, <laughs> probably the parts that most people have seen. So it would, it would the, you could assume that I play bad guys like 90% of the time, which is not entirely true. But uh, I like complex characters and often... I mean, those those bad guys. I, I never see anyone being bad or good. Everyone's grey. Everyone is grey. We all have we all have potential to be hideous uh, in us. And so I like to try and understand the complexities of any uh, character. Uh, and the more complex they are, the better. Some of those characters, like Red Skull, was just an out and out villain. Someone who thought someone like Hitler mm. was a complete, you know weakling so that's playing a role like that it's just you just have to enjoy yourself you're i think you're just asked to enjoy the character yeah don't worry too much about the psychology but um otherwise i yeah i i, I like them because they i suppose they express things other than sunny pure sun i'm not really into playing heroes because i don't believe in heroes i don't believe in villains either i think really i don't no 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 i think we're all fairly complex and gray (laughs) i like that. in truth yeah what about elrond elrond was a clothes horse (laughs) (laughs) elrond was a clothes horse who had lots of exposition Mm -hmm. so i didn't enjoy that so much there was a time, I suppose, when we all knew about Australian TV and film was soaps. We'd loads of them here in RT. But then you came along, Guy Pearce, Terence Stamp in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It was a ride. Was that the film that took you beyond Australia? Yeah, there was a film called Proof, which had been at Cannes about three years before and won, uh, won a first filmmaker prize at Cannes that I was in about a blind photographer that sort of launched, it really launched uh, Russell Crowe's career and my career uh, out of us outside Mm. Australia. But yeah, Priscilla made a big splash a couple of years later. And uh, that was great to travel back to Cannes with that. And, um, and it felt like it was, it was a very, you know, small, low budget Australian film, but the idea was beautiful. Uh, I'd worked with a filmmaker before and, 
Yeah, he said, I'm written, I've written this film about these three drag queens who go out in a bus into the desert. And uh, and I said, oh, look, just I'll play. I'll, <laughs> I'll do one day on that. Please just, you know, cast me in it. And uh, so the idea was great. It seemed to it seemed to be the the crest of the wave. I thought, you know, the way in which we're much more accepting of sexuality and mm. diversity, and that I think that's why it was embraced. It was it was just perfect timing. Yeah, ahead of its time in a way. Yeah. And also, you mentioned Russell there, Russell Crowe. But can I ask you about I suppose that generation of Australian actors yourself, also Guy Pearce, Kate Blanchett. Did you, a lot of you knew each other in Sydney? Is that correct? And what was the theatre scene like then? Yeah, so uh, the National uh, Drama School was a three-year course. It was sort of based on RADA in England. Mm. It's called NIDA. Mel Gibson was there. Judy Davis was there a couple of years before I was there, and I was there a couple of years before Kate was there. And uh, Russ, Russell didn't. Russell and Guy didn't go to NIDA, but NIDA was a great uh, um, sort of a breeding ground for young actors and yeah. directors, actually, and and designers. In fact, a lot of the best designers and directors have come out of NIDA as well. Um, the Sydney Theatre Company at that time, when I graduated, had only just started. So I was offered a two-year contract with them, uh, and it was a time where we were we were putting on more Australian mm. plays uh, on a on a grander scale. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I think we're at such a distance from the rest of the world. So there's this desire to sort of both prosecute the culture of your own country and take it and travel with it, take it overseas. So Australians are great travellers and I think that means mm. Australian actors in order to in order to sort of be seen and be known need to need to travel as well. I've chosen to stay at home by and large. I don't I don't I'm not a big fan of America but yeah, but at that time there was a there was a and there still is a lot of lot of um, new talent coming up now, but it's just harder to get noticed because of well, that's another story. You know, it's <laughs> a whole other story. But originally, as you mentioned, proof already is to get recognition beyond your home in Australia. Yeah. Did you feel you had to say make a movie like Proof with Russell to get that recognition? Well, no. I mean, I I never wanted to move and live in LA. I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to do that. I was wanted to work in Australia. But to for the film to be recognised, it needed to you know the the, the pathway often for a, for a small independent Australian film was via can mm. uh, recognition in can meant you know you're opening doors for the filmmaker and for the people in that film. So my ideal is to work in Australia and hopefully those films travel and get seen overseas because our cultures uh, you know as as your culture is uh, completely unique and. You want to you want it to be seen. You want mm. that uniqueness to be to be shared and seen and understood, and that's my sort of that's what I do really. But the Australian film industry, and I could be wrong, it does seem to be thriving. There's a lot of movies. You did a TV series in recent years called Love Me. Is it a healthy industry or is it struggling? Well, I think like all films around the world, this film is in an existential crisis, really, because mm. of the streaming platforms have changed the way in which, and COVID have changed the way in which we see, and new technologies have changed the way in which we view films. So people tend not to go to the cinema as much as they did, say, mm. se six or seven years ago. 
and much more likely to watch a film on a device, whether it's a little phone on a bus or at home, you know. Uh, so we're, we're splintering more and more. So even though films are being made, it's it's always been hard for an Aust uh, independent Australian film to be seen at the mm. cinema. Now it is even harder. And, yeah, so that's the crisis. It's not that the work's not being made and done. It is. In fact, the streamers have provided a much, much, much more opportunity mm. to make more product, although it's a product and it is television. But um, there are some great films being made. It's just harder and harder to see them. How did this play come about, The President, that you're about to do here with the great Alwyn Ferreira in The Gate? Well, the great Alwyn Ferreira, who is, <laughs> who is great, and she's such a thrilling performer. She's yeah. so wonderful to watch. I have had the pleasure to, to see her in a couple of shows in Sydney and in Dublin, actually, another show here about five years ago. Uh, she um, had seen a production of a Bernhard play, Minetti, I think, at the Edinburgh Festival. Gosh, I don't know when it was. I probably And whenever it was, she mm. saw that. She loved it. And she got hold of a copy of The President, I don't know how, and she read it and thought it was extraordinary. And then threw it at Colm O'Callaghan, who works, mm. now works at the gate, but at that time was interestingly working at the Sydney Theatre Company. Wow. And, uh, and then when Olwen was out in Sydney, I met her and she and I and Colm uh, seemed to sort of develop a rapport. Um, Colm said, look, Olwen's got this play. Would she be interested in reading it with her and I? And I said, yeah, great, absolutely love to do that. So we read it and I instantly fell in love with this writer who, I, who I'd heard of but had not um, experienced in any form. Um, th the play is compulsively thrilling uh, to me. Mm. Uh, uh, well, I think it is, and it is to Alwyn and it was to, to, to Colm. We read it about five times over two or three years and increasingly said, we really must do this. This is really... My God, it's challenging, but my God, it's thrilling. It's profoundly thrilling. Someone talked about Bernhard being like, if you read Bernhard, it's like being caught in a rip. You know, if you're mm. an Australian, you know what a rip is. So if you're swimming out at sea, the, 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 you will be pulled out and you can't fight the rip because otherwise you'll go. You've got to let yourself go with it and then swim across it back. But you can't fight Bernhard. You've got to kind of go with him, you know. So there's something about reading his material that is really, he's so different, he's so thrilling, and he's very dark and funny and self-lacerating. He's a genius and he's a writer that we just don't, we don't know enough about him, and and I put him in the same. I put I put him up there with Beckett. You know, I th he's wow. that great. He's mm. that great. But but it is a finished difficult play. Anyway, that's so we we eventually persuaded. Uh, when Colm left the STC, he worked in Sydney uh, doing a, a play with Owen actually, but it worked at a company called Force Majeure. Then got the role at the gate, and that's when we were sort of going, well, where are we going to do this? Can we make this a co-production between the Sydney Theatre Company and the, gate. and the gate? And that's exactly what we've done. So, or what, not we, I haven't done it, or Colm's done it. But So interesting yeah. how things come about. Also, I read a really good interview yesterday with Alwyn in yeah. the Irish Times, and she was saying she thinks this play is very Europeanish, and it could actually be in any city in Europe at any time. Is yeah. that how you view it? 
Yeah, I mean, Bernhard was an Austrian. He was definitely writing about Austria, not just in this play, but all the time. That was his, that was his focus. That was his subject. Uh, um, but it's set in a Central European uh, country. And that's mentioned a couple of times. But other than that, it really could be anywhere in the world, actually. Um, there's a mention of... The, they, they find themselves in... The president finds himself in Portugal in the second half of the play. But other than that, the play, the president and the first lady are a dictate, dictatorial couple who've been in power for some 40 years somewhere in Europe. Mm. But that could be anywhere in the world, to be honest. So we it was written in the 70s. It's set now... And it's set somewhere. I thought she was interesting as well yesterday. She was saying, you know, I mean, you do both theatre and film. That yeah. sometimes I'm almost saying she worries about the accessibility to theatre, the cost of it. Is that something you think about or agree with her? Yeah, I do. It's really hard. Um, theatre is incredibly prohibitively expensive. And, and if you're in Berlin, you can go to the theatre because theatre is subsidised. All art forms are so well subsidised by the German government, state and federal. And so young people can go and see... There's like four um, symphony orchestras in, in Berlin, you know, not one, not not none, there's four. And there are so many uh, places to, to go and, you, and, and the young people do go and see things and they do have their culture reflected back to them. So it's about at a government level deciding whether this, your culture is important to you. And if it is, then that money should be going into, into subsidising art, all art forms, because art culture is who we are, actually, more than almost anything else. So I'm very aware that, that theatre prices are too high. And I know that it's incredibly hard to, for a production like this, which is you're straddling two, two mm. nations at opposite ends of the world and you're trying to... Uh, we, we rehearsed in Sydney, brought it over here. You've got a lot of people travelling and putting a show on with a really limited budget. So there's a lot of heart and love and intelligence and hard work that goes into putting a show like this on. Hopefully the rewards, the, certainly the rewards are there for us. I hope they will be for the audience. I think mm. they will. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm very mindful of the fact that it's, it's prohibitively expensive for a lot of young people to go to the theatre and it shouldn't be. Of course, you're no stranger to Ireland. Um, you were in Black 47. I think you got to know our Stephen Ray quite well, didn't you? He's great. I, I did. I, Stephen and I had met in Berlin doing a V for Vendetta. Yeah. And I was so taken. I'd been taken with Stephen as, a, as an actor anyway. It was so lovely to meet him. And he's a gorgeous man. He's, um, he, yeah, he's a beautiful man. So yeah. it's lovely to be reunited with him again on Black 47, and it was a difficult time for us. Um, but it was, uh, it was a great... We, we had a, a great camaraderie in the, in the cast, and it was lovely to see him again the other night uh, in Crap's last tape, the yeah. opening night of that. So I went along to see him and was dragged backstage by his gorgeous son. And it was, yeah, very, very gorgeous to see him. So whenever I'm in Dublin, which is not very often, I definitely look Stephen up. Black 47, was that some... Were you aware of... Our great family. Was that something you were aware of? Oh yeah. Look, I have a. I have for my sins. I have an English heritage, and uh, so I was That's very. That's okay. <laughs> no, but I, I'm very aware. Like learning history in, uh, throughout my history is my great subject. So I love history and English. Uh, so I was very aware of, uh, of of the you know colonial history in this country and the repression of the Irish language and 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 culture, and the famine itself. 
So I had a sense of that. Uh, the, and I was doing a film in, um, in uh, Australia a couple of years before Black 47, and uh, Magdara Kelleher was the producer mm -hmm. on that. And uh, the, the, I was asking them what they were doing next, and the, um, they said we're doing this, this thing called Black, it was called The Rover, I think, mm. or Black 47 at the time. And I said, that sounds fantastic. So it sounds like apocalypse, sounds like Heart of Darkness, really. Yeah. It's Heart of Darkness in, in, in the, you know, during the famine years, apocalypse now on horseback. And I thought, oh, that's great. What a fantastic idea. It's a really brilliant idea. And uh, at that time, someone else was playing the role, but then um, he, 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 he dropped out. He was doing some theater, actually. So they, they rang me and said, do you, do you want to play, you know, do you want to play? I said, I'd, I'd totally love to. So that's how that, that came about, yeah. Because although you live in Australia, I think your dad was a seismologist. Yes. And you were born in Nigeria. Explain. Yes. A, remind people what a seismologist so is. So my dad was, my dad, had, uh, my, my parents met at Bristol University and they, they were both doing different degrees, but they met uh, um in the Bristol University players. So they were on oh, stage together. Jeans, <laughs> so you they, go. Uh, yeah, I thought it was something, but it's absolutely, yeah, it's, it's inbred in me. Yes. Uh, but he then got a job um, after his science degree working as a seismologist for a French seismological company that was then sent to the Cameroons and Nigeria. Seismologist, so he was measuring sound waves, seismological waves, by setting off explosions in the ground, you measure the waves, and you and you can you can detect what different layers of rock are, and therefore where oil might be, and then you can send down a a, a drill to have a sort of see if there's oil there. So he was, you know, part of discovering all the big mm -hmm. oil fields in 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 West Africa and Nigeria, which has caused so many problems, of course, but um, it's also brought great wealth and great corruption <laughs> to, <laughs> to West Africa. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. And then, so, because when I was reading and preparing for this interview, some people say you're a British actor, some people say you're Australian, so let's clear this. I'm you're Nigerian, born in, I'm actually You're Nigerian. actually Nigerian, yeah, okay, yeah, so we've cleared yeah, that yeah. up. In fact, the Nigerian embassy, I realise, is just down the road from where I'm staying, so I'm going to go and knock on their in door. In Dublin? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm staying in Ranala, the Nigerian embassy is just down yeah, the road. So, hi, I'm one yeah, of yours. Yeah, yeah, look after me. Did you go back to live in England then? After you yeah, my, yeah, well, I moved all over the world as a kid. My dad, my dad then got a, uh, moved into computers as uh, computer companies as they were very in their in their infancy. So a lot of very small computer companies that that he was part of one of them. They merged, got bigger and bigger, and became these multinationals. So he was then would be every couple of years he'd be told, "We'll go out and open the office, set up the office in Melbourne." Or mm. set it up in Sydney, or go to Johannesburg. So we now come back to England every two years. I moved country, moved school, moved house, all my friends, everything. So it, the constant for me was my family, my brother, sister, and parents, and and the adventure was uh, was my childhood was moving around around the world so I was very very fortunate really to have a loving family which was at least I did, so I didn't feel totally at sea you know I didn't feel totally um unhinged or untethered mm. I I was I was supported by a family but I had the the thrill of being uh, having my eyes open to 
what makes us all the same actually around the world, but also all the great, wonderful differences around the world. So but, I think it was the best education you could ever have. But they ended up obviously staying in Australia, which is why you live there now. You live in yeah, Sydney? Yeah, I do. That, well, I lived. I, I would, had lived in Melbourne and Sydney when I was uh, four, five, six. Mm. And my parents always loved it back there. And um, even though I was in back in England when I was 16 and thinking I would probably go to university there, and uh, that was when they decided, okay, we're going to move back. Or oh, he got another job offer back in Sydney. And uh, they decided, okay, this is where we're going to go. We're going to retire and we think it's actually probably the future is probably better there for, for, the, for the three teenage kids anyway mm. so that was the decision they made and I was very well, I was thinking oh, just at that age 16 thinking I'm maybe just wanting to you know stay here but I'm glad really glad I'm, I shifted made the move well Australians are really good to all our young people mm. I have a son out there at the moment in a gap year with loads of them had out and they Tell always say Australians <laughs> are so lovely so listen Hugo thank you very much for coming in this morning the president is opening in the Gate Theatre on the 8th of February with previews from the 2nd. Everyone can book tickets on gatetheatre.ie and actually the tickets are very reasonably priced. Hugo Weaving, thank you so much. Don't forget now to go to the Nigerian thanks. Embassy. I, uh, thanks, Miriam. Thank <laughs> Bye, you. Hugo. Bye -bye. Mind yourself. We'll take a break.